table! I, I should point out that I've just chopped a bit off a table. So this might not have been the best quote to start with. Um, there we go. Um, hello and welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 71. We are a podcast which investigate films previously described by other historically inaccurate anachronisms as masterpieces. And I am the cackling evil prime minister of the podcast and i am joined as ever by the noble southern rebel roger hello and we are discussing 2008 2009 yeah it's another fiddly one so well this this is red cliff red cliff john woo's return to Chibli, isn't it? Yes. Uh, John Woo's return to Chinese cinema after a a sojourn. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and talk about this. Um, so there there are two different released versions of this, basically. Yes. Um, there is the Chinese market version, which is in two parts each and makes a total of a bit over four hours, mm-hmm. uh, which were released in 2008, 2009. Uh, and there is the international abridged version, which is cut roughly in half. And, yeah, it's like it's not a yeah. subtle cut. It's, it's like yeah, it's, it loses nearly a whole film's worth of um, of material. Uh, I should say I have not seen the abridged version. I, I I have read about what is cut in it, so I, no, I can't I, really recommend I it. The, I watched the, uh, the the two film version. Um, so it helps think of it that way instead of thinking this is a four-hour-long film. <laughs> so, and it's, it's very much filmed yeah. like that as well. These are two films, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was not presented theatrically as a four-hour film, though I assume they did double yeah. bills. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm just, sorry, I'm just flashing back to the, to the day that uh, Star Trek V came out in, in the UK and they, they did a special showing of all the previous four films in a row with, with brief <laughs> toilet breaks in between. Well, and then they finished with Star Trek V. That was yeah, a bit disappointing. It was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to find you were left with Star Trek V after all of that. Um, oh, it's still it's still fun. There's worse films. Like, anyway, so it, it's 208 AD. It's the yes. end of the Han Dynasty, and if you are Chinese or know Chinese culture at all, you have, as far as as far as I can see, read the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And even if you yeah. haven't read it, you know the stories because they have been become part of your national mythology. I, I, I suspect you, you were mentioning uh, Thermopylae as a, as a compar- comparable Western example. I was also thinking of something like Robin Hood. Yeah, so it's that kind of semi... Uh, so, so long ago in history, it's very hard to be sure quite exactly what happened, but there are touchstones... Um, that everyone knows about a bit like I tried to think of Arthur at first but I suppose Arthur has pretty much zero basis in historical fact well the thing is I think Thermopylae is probably the best of those examples because all these people are actual historical people they may not they may not be presented accurately but there there was a guy who was the chancellor who who got the emperor's permission to suppress the rebellion who conquered the southern and so on yeah, and all the warlords and the, even the advisor were actual historical figures, weren't they? Yeah. So it's uh, so it's the story of this um, the evil. He's like he's a prime minister in the film. Yes, he's. Yeah. I think historically he was chancellor. I don't know whether that is a huge distinction. 
I love I mean, history. There, there are translation problems as well. So I mean, yes, I yeah. suspect it's not so much inaccurate. It's just um, it hasn't passed down to. I mean, we never the, see what is uh, the, the quality uh, of subtitles alone is is uh, might well be enough to account for that. It, it could, yes, and it, we, it's not like we see a lot of his. Um, Non, non, uh, suppressing the Southern rebels' duties to know, <laughs> to judge quite what he, what he is. Um, but, uh, am I, I, so I, I absolutely adore history. I love it. One of the huge gaps, which I am certainly going to fill having watched this film is Chinese history, which of mm. course is a huge part of, um, uh, the world's history, so it's hard to say you're a fan of history without knowing nothing about Chinese history, but so... Yeah, I mean, uh, that I should say, uh, there is a GURPS China which gives you a very, very condensed history. It does at least tell you that it is a very, very condensed history. That's right, you know, uh, but, GURPS but it, source books are one of... Because a lot of historical... Uh, a lot of histories are not written in a, in the way a GURPS, uh, which is a popular role-playing game for people who don't role-playing game. Um, mm-hmm. it's, um, well, it's not that popular, but it is a role-playing game. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not the role-playing game. Uh, it's uh, uh, it, uh, it does source books for different uh, periods in history, and uh, they're very good to get an overview. Uh, just, just to learn about the period, I used GURPS Imperial Rome um, for some historical research. It's, yeah, it's very good. I will look up to GURPS China. That's a very good idea. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, it, it's 208 AD. It's the end of the Han Dynasty. We, we are told this in the subtitle at the start. It's no spoiler. Yes, yeah. That's, uh, uh, so historically, this is basically where unified China breaks up into, well, broadly three kingdoms. And then for for about 300 years, there are various changes of boundary and, and battles. And, and eventually, I think it's the Jin dynasty. Yes, I think that's, yes, I think so. We, we have the, the three kingdom periods. Um, now the, so the, uh, is it the tale of three kingdoms? What's the book everyone's read? Uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. The Romance but, of the I Three Kingdoms. I mean, again, kingdoms. this is a matter of, uh, now is is this just one part? The Romance of the Three Kingdoms not all about Red, the Battle of Red Cliff. No, is it, 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 it is no. a much larger story. I mean, okay. I, yeah. I think the things in here. I mean, what one? It, it is done as separate stories, uh, and one of them, for example, is uh, how Zhuge Liang obtained arrows. Right, which, which is you know half of one of the films here, and that that is effectively one of the individual stories. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's not, it's lots of short stories uh, all around that frame. Well, it's okay. 120 chapters, which are mostly fairly self-contained. Okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, it, it it has a thousand characters. So this is, so. I suppose, that is worth knowing going in then that uh, that um, Chinese audiences familiar would know the story of how he obtained the arrows and would be fully expecting to see it, for instance. I would expect so, yeah, and and Three. certainly when they when they hear about the Chancellor Sao Sao, they they will be cued to hiss and boo. Um, okay, he he is the big villain in the romance as well. Okay, well that that is worth doing because knowing nothing about the story and the history, it's uh, well, I don't I don't know that that feels like it hampers you at all, but it does have that kind of mythological. The characters in it are all. Quite archetypal. I mean, we we just talked about the Hurt Locker, um, or in our last episode, where we have sort of deep, complex characters, as deep and complex as you can get on film, and that's really not the case in Redcliffe. I mean, I mean, these are very. I think that's fair. Yeah. One note, for the most part, one note characters. Um, 
I, I will argue against that a little bit, but not, but broadly, I will agree with you. I mean, yeah, take, take they, they... Some, somebody like Zhang Feng, the the roaring hairy general, as I think of him. <laughs> yes, yeah. And he is basically there to be violent comic relief. Yes, yes. Uh, but you know, he, it would be very easy to say he's also the guy to make a wrong suggestion every time there is there is a council of war, and he isn't. He he does actually say sensible things as well. He does. I mean, he does make some wrong suggestions. Yeah. Uh, well, but yes, it, it would be yeah. very easy to say, "Oh, yeah, he's always wrong, but he's great on the battlefield, or whatever." But it, I, I it doesn't. Character... It doesn't quite get that simplistic. No, no. I, the the character I'm mainly thinking of, um, or the one who springs to mind, um, is the uh, the advisor. Um, really first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who is always right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, to, <laughs> to a level, I start to get. It, bit irritated but I, I mean we can't predict the weather to the level of certainty that he could 1800 years ago and I uh, I know that this is where it reaches a level of sort of mythology I think and um, mm. he is the wise character that's his characteristic and therefore he's going to be uh, wise about it um, so, oh, alright I, I will I, I do broadly agree with you but I, I will point out that that one moment when the wind actually changes and yes. he and he feels it coming, and he makes that big dramatic gesture with his fan. I can't help feeling there's a certain amount of oh, thank goodness, I'm not going to have, <laughs> yes. to have my head sent back to the emperor. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that is a very good point. Yes, yeah. Well, so it, it is the story of the the prime minister. How do you pronounce it? I, I know uh, that Zhao Zhao, Zhao Zhao, um, or the chancellor, whatever, um, who is heading to the south. So the first half of the film is. Uh, basically, the 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 loss of the first warlord. I'm going to be terrible at pronunciating. Pronunciating. Um, pron- I'm going to be terrible at um, saying these names. So I'm going to leave you for most of them. But the first, uh, I'm going to call them warlords as they're that, described. That, that's not unfair. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that they are fundamentally rebellious. Uh, they, they they are saying we do not want to be under the imperial rule because the imperial rule is corrupt. Right. Okay. Um, but warlords always sort of implies someone that needs to be squashed and removed. So it, it feels like serving Zhao Zhao's um, propaganda to call them that. But I would do it anyway. Um, so the first warlord um, and his uh, disastrous retreats and loss. Um, and then we follow the advisor's trip to, to Red Cliff um, to um, win well, over... to Zhangdong, uh, originally. To Zhangdong, to, to win over the remaining two... Um, Warlords who, uh, so that's the first story, uh, uh, and then we have a, a skirmish at the end. So, if I suppose if we stick with the first film, hmm. uh, so that film ends with a, a, a big sort of land. Uh, I call it a skirmish because it's a side battle. I mean, it's a huge land battle, um, but it is a side battle to the main battle of Red Cliff. It's just sort of a, a little prologue to it, but that's where that film ends. Hmm. And that, that, that is, is the Stone Sentinel Maze, is the usual translation of that chapter of the romance. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I, um, it's very colourful, and I, you know, knowing little about Chinese history, I was constantly bewildered by it being 200 AD. And just looking at these people and the level of civilization they have, and thinking about what we had—I mean, even this was like the Roman period, 
and it was nothing. I, it doesn't feel like anything like as civilised as something they had here, right? Mm-hmm. I suppose there's an element of exoticism, but it was just, for me, to be that far advanced in 200 AD. And by advanced, I mean culturally, I think. Mm. Um, the, the thing that really struck me was the decorative buildings. I mean, the, the, yeah. that, that opening scene with the emperor. Yes, um, yeah. This is, this is not a building that somebody has built to keep the rain out. No. This this is a building that is specifically there to show off the wonderfulness of the emperor. Yes, exactly. I, I, maybe that, maybe it's not so much the advancement, because as, as we say, we, you know, we've had a lot of Western philosophers and this is the, almost the height of the Roman Empire. Um, but it's, uh, there's something so, maybe I was just blown away by the, 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 the visual depiction of the culture of the time that I just, um, feels uh i don't know it does feel very advanced and ahead of its time um in a way that blew me away so visually i was absolutely won over almost straight away yeah the opening shot of the emperor's palace and then um it introduces the characters very well i think as well i Mm. I didn't feel particularly confused by uh maybe because uh they're not the deepest characters to some extent, but they are all. They all get their little moment of introduction, and it's all well done. Um, we we have Zhao Zhao, um, who we pretty quickly surmises a wrong and <laughs> quite quickly. Um, uh, and not play, played any. by Zhang Fengyi. Uh, he was, I think, originally going to be played by who was it? Um, Ken Watanabe. Uh, yes, but um, there was some objection to a, a Japanese actor yeah. playing at this prominent Chinese role. Mind you, um, let's see, uh, Lin, Lin Chi Ling, uh, as Zhao Qiao, one of the two female characters in this story, uh, <laughs> is, is a Taiwanese supermodel. So oh, really? They, they, okay. they clearly managed to, to fi- fix some things. This is actually her first acting role, which does, it's not a big role, but she, I think she does it quite well. Anyway, uh, so which, sorry, is she? Uh, she's the the spy, or the, no? That uh, that that's uh, uh, Sun Zhang Jiang, um, Zhao Wei, also known as Vicky Zhao. Oh yeah, uh, she, okay. she's rather more experienced. Um, but we we can come back to this, I think. Yes. Well, I would. Uh, but, I yeah. Feel... The, the problem I did have was we have essentially two female characters, and mm. to me, and this is quite possibly my uninformed uh, visual appreciation of Chinese faces and so on, they do look awfully similar. Um, I, do you know, I, I, I didn't have that I, problem with the men. I thought I might have that. At first, I felt, and that's um, just our cultural background, isn't it? But at, at, the worst I, at, at first, I thought I would find that confusing. I didn't really, and I don't, partially because, yeah, there are only two women, one of whom's defining characteristic, as far as I can tell, is she's a woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but she's but, the epitome of womanhood. Oh, she is, uh, <laughs> she is the uh, platonic ideal of woman, it's true. Um uh, but I you know I thought I might get it um, partially because they've got different facial hair, and partially because they do look quite different ultimately when you when you get into it. Um, mm. But it's uh, yeah, I uh, I thought that might be an issue, but it didn't turn out so much to me. Well, good, but it's just me then. Uh. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I mean, visually, this is a very uh, it's kind of an earthy film as well as a. a, a, a mm. Uh, there is CGI in here, um, and I, it's not—it's not the finest quality CGI in some points. So it yeah, just, I, I think particularly some of the long shots. 
Yes, and and in some cases that is a bit jarring. It succeeds much better when it's um, uh, when it is you know very obviously. But there may have been some compositing going on. But when you're seeing these are clearly a big stack of people <laughs> all mm. in a row. Yeah, that, that, um, this is the thing. I mean, I I don't. We don't really get historical epics in Western filmmaking all that much now. I mean, you, no. you, you could look at three hundred, I guess, but that's not. Which that's I haven't not, seen. Yeah, but it's not trying to be quite that. Um, no. But you know, you you see a hundred guys or a thousand guys having a fight, and yeah, chances are there are actually a thousand guys on that battlefield. Yes, I think it certainly feels that way. Whether there was some looping or composite, I don't know. But it, it you, it is certainly epic and feels epic uh, mm. and uh, there's the ever so slightly occasional ropey CGI. I mean there may have been some very non-ropey CGI and I wouldn't know about it because I didn't <laughs> notice it uh, but there was some that I did um, but it wasn't enough to quite bring me out of it actually um, so uh, but I agree it succeeds better on the kind of the, the earthier terms um, and we get a fairly we get a uh, quite a big battle scene quite early on um, with the the retreating army as uh, mm. the Zhao Zhao chases them down, um, and, and then... carefully framed that we are making our stand here to project the, to protect the refugee column. Yes, yeah. <laughs> where where, where Sao Sao is evil and just wants to conquer. Exactly. Yeah, I I I see. I, I mean, it's that sort of film. Isn't it? It's all black and white. Lord of the Ringsy. In fact, I, uh, Lord of the Rings is right. a lot of this film feels like uh, a very extended sort of Helm's Deep sequence to me. That it's. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that is a siege sequence, so not quite the same. But it's um, it's that kind of level of epic scope and focusing on on the small stories within it um and certainly when you get into the the final battle it, that that was very reminiscent of uh, bits of helm's deep to me mm. but there isn't a lot of sort of planning uh, that goes on in the first half of the film so the first helm is is the first half is um it's more about the, the meeting of the different characters and yeah. the friendships developing and uh the um uh, the kind of what is the instrument they're using that they have kind of a sing off with in the uh the of course I, the wise i don't uh, know a a plucked string instrument a plucked string instrument which of course he's a flipping expert at the the advisor yeah um, the, the, there's an awful lot of what i think of as the man of the people thing you know i i i am terribly aristocratic but i can still do these practical skills um, yes i i i i can hear the flute and correctly carve it back so that it's in tune <laughs> um, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I, 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 I am at least sufficiently aware of um, horse birthing procedures that I'm prepared to give it a try, rather than just let the horse die. Why? Well, why there's nobody else around who who knows how to do this and is being employed yeah, to? I don't know. But yeah, you know, employ a veterinary vet, surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, I'll I'll skip over the the uh, the. Uh, it was a leg back, wasn't it? Um, you had to go in. The thing, I will say, he's like, oh, I know how to do this because I know how to do cows. Well, there is quite a difference in the uh, propulsive force. Uh, Don't try this at home, folks. <laughs> between a horse and a cow, you can literally, a calf you, well, that's right, I don't want to get into it. Too much. A calf you can literally push back into the uterus and reposition. A horse is pushing so, so hard. It is very, very difficult to do that. It's mm. possible 
but most of the time that happens um you're going to lose the horse and the foal um uh, without real expertise anyway I mean, he clearly was a real expert so thank goodness for that <laughs> <laughs> divine inspiration um, or something I have another um, veterinary corner and, and, and something of a rant with them. So I won't. The, the birthing was okay, but we have some, um, uh, which nearly made me stop for, stop watching. Except that it, it, it's mostly confined to the first half of the film, or at least in, in the bit that I saw, which is the fairly casual uh, animal cruelty, which uh, which I did struggle with because mm. the battle at the end of the first half of the film, uh, or the first film is largely cavalry based and there is a huge amount of, well uh, aside from that there is a a, a tortoise drops into a, a a pit of water which you know the, the tortoise didn't ask to into a bucket of water so, so i will point out it is carefully shown to be pulled out and, and unharmed well it is but <laughs> to show what a great put, guy that is <laughs> still being put through i mean it, it yeah. will stay there for hours because they just stop breathing but it's still uh, immersing yeah. uh, it's it's what you would call in veterinary terms a noxious procedure um, for hmm. no practical benefit to the animal. This is uh, fair, yeah. And, and, and just... Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not doing this because they like the tortoise, they're doing it to make a point. Well, they're doing it for entertainment purposes. Um, you know, on on the on the scale of the film, you know, this is an animal being put through an unpleasant procedure for entertainment, and that is it's something I am not mm. happy with. Um, and so that's a microcosm of it, but more saliently, I suppose, and less. Uh, now, I should point out that John Weaver has said, I think he says it in the um, uh, the commentary of this film that no horses were harmed. Um, during the making of this film, I don't know if his <laughs> definition is different. To well, it's harmed and harmed. I mean, the, the the old westerns, you you had people who were very good at rigging up the ropes so that a horse would fall at the right moment. Yes. And for a long time, this was thought to be not particularly, not or just not harmful to the horse. The horse would get up afterwards and walk away. Well, but yeah. but it does seem to have, at, at the very least, reduced their lifespans quite substantially. Well, I, I mean, these are uh, these. There's harmed. Yeah, I, I think maybe he said no horses died, which may be more accurate. Um, but you, there is an awful lot of shots of horses falling over, mm-hmm. um, and there are ways of doing. You can train horses to do that, but they are very specialist. It takes a very long time. There are very few horses that do it, and it, because it's a very unnatural thing for a horse to do. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're seeing it in like in one scene, it's probably that that's happened, or it may have been. But a much quicker way of doing it is basically to trip the horse up one way or another by rigging up ropes underneath it, um, and then hoping it doesn't break something. But th- these are creatures going at pretty high speed. Mm. So, for instance, when um, in the scene where she whispers to the horse, um, the uh, the spy female character. Sorry, I'm terrible with the names in this film. Sun. Uh, where Sun whispers to the horse and it just sort of sits down. I'm sure that was a trained procedure. Um, but there are a lot of them that just fall over and... Uh, I am sure they were tripped up. Um, I'm sure they are. And, and that is... Whether they died or not, that is a pretty unpleasant thing for a horse to go through. Yeah. And I, I, I struggle with it. I mean, the, the, the history of it is that there was um, a film... I think a film called Jesse James, where they basically pitched a horse, basically put it on a sliding platform and dropped it 70 feet down a cliff to get the shot of a horse falling over. Um, and it uh, it fell into the water. It survived the fall, but then it drowned in the water. Um, and that created an outcry, along with, I think it was Charge of the Light Brigade, where Errol... So a lot of horses were tripped over then. Hmm. A lot of them died, and Errol Flynn 
was like, what the fuck is going on? This is awful. And so our old friend, the Hayes Code, um, which I know you don't like calling it that, although it had a lot of problems, it actually brought in a huge amount of animal welfare uh, stipulations, um, which uh, lasted until the Hayes Code was... Um, was repealed and then it started creeping back again that horses were abused in westerns and fell over until I think at Heaven's Gate, we haven't talked about Heaven's Gate, but Michael Simino's failure um, basically they blew up a horse, they strapped some explosives to it um, and it suffered such severe injuries that it died and since then we've had the Motion Picture Association, the uh, animal uh AHA, I think it is, um, who were the ones who attached the famous no animals were harmed in the using of this film. Yeah, um, so, so an organisation that is not actually part of the um, film production thing. So, yeah, in, no, in theory, they're present independent time, observers. Uh, American Humane Association, is it? American Humane Association, thank you, yeah. And, and so they are... Absent from this film, uh, I mean, the silly name. I mean, it's it's a, uh, an Asian film, and they're not covered by. I, I don't know what not... the Chinese rules may be. No, but and I it's, think it's, it's fair to, to say that they are they are looser than this. I think it's fair. I mean, they're looser for humans, aren't they? <laughs> but I, as far uh, as I know, no, nobody does horse trips in Western films these days, except no, as you say for I, the specially I... trained horses. That's right, they're the ones that sort of fall over. I mean, there were some stuntmen died in this film as well, I believe. Uh, uh, one guy, yeah. Uh, in, uh, in one of the many, many, many fire scenes. Yeah, I can see why that might have got a bit out here. Um, I'll, I'll get, I'll just get this rant out of the way. Absolutely. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. So it nearly, um, uh, whether or not any horses dies, you're you're using an animal for the purposes of entertainment. Yeah, and you're um, the, 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 the tortoise is being distressed for the purposes of their entertainment. The horses are being distressed for the purposes of our entertainment. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and I, yeah. Anyway, so that's I'll, I'll I'll put that rant aside because actually, the, I mean, fair the, point. Not, it, it's yeah, not so much a thing for me, but maybe it should be. Uh, well, it, it was good for me to sort of research the the AHA and that sort of thing, but um, it doesn't happen very much in the second film. It, it's mainly focused on that that cavalry battle. But we can get we can go back to <laughs> regular coverage now. I did I did go through it, um, but I I just. You don't, you don't need it. It could have been just as epic a film without mm. causing hurt to horses. Um, so, uh, but thankfully none of them died by the sounds of it. Um, so there we, we have. Sorry, yeah, there's cast a pull over it. But the we have this um, pretty epic cavalry battle at the end of the first film. Um, I was in a bit of a sour mood by by that film, um, so I, I took a bit of a break. Um, before we moved into the second film. Uh, and I'll be honest, I enjoyed the second film much more than the first one. So I wonder if I wonder if I would have enjoyed the Western one, um, the Western style. I don't know how much is cut out, but I bet it was a lot of the first film stuff. Um, well, there's... A, a, a lot of the background to the 100,000 Arrows stuff is cut. Right, okay. And the, uh, a lot of Sun's infiltration of the enemy camp is cut, apparently. Oh, really? Oh, that's a shame, because I like that. Uh, also the tiger hunting scene. Yes, yeah. Well, that was so that was an interesting part well, as well. It's, um, it's a, I think removing that would do a lot of damage to the story, because it, 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 it's being extremely symbolic. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I it, agree, it is being yeah. used as a persuasive tool uh, by Zhuge Liang. 
Yes. And, and that's kind of the point, much more than, oh, well, let's kill an animal. And it sets up a lot of the the dynamics of uh, of of the kind of the leaders of the armies as well. Yeah, I agree. It was uh, it was uh, that whole a big part of the film is yeah is pivots around that tiger scene, the first film, uh, and finally persuading uh, him that he needs to join the fight and stand up and um, not live in the shadow of his father. Mm. Um, yeah, that was. Um, so what are your thoughts on the first half of the film? Well, I, I will admit I tend to think of it as one entity, really. But Yes, um, that's probably fair. I would say, yeah, th- th- this is much more... I mean, yes, we, we do have some very substantial action scenes, um, but it's much more about telling us who the characters are. Yeah, it's, it's a long setup. it feels like. Yeah, I would say the second half of the film... Uh, we, oh, yeah, we've and got... only, only a hero can fight a hero. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a... The, to a large extent, this is trying to be quite realistic. I mean, we don't have blatant magic and so on. We do have people doing clearly superhuman things. But, I yes, mean, the... when, when Zhang Fei, the roaring hairy general, charges into a mob of enemy <laughs> soldiers, there is no point in their trying to fight him. They, they should just run away. He's a hero, yeah. <laughs> he's a capital H hero. He's a, yeah. And all the the heroes, big H, uh, including the females, get their, their kind of own scene where they show off their heroic uh, nature. Mm. Uh, much more so. So I feel like it's all set up in the first film. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, the second film is when when it all the second film feels like all payoff to me in a way, and that's why I liked it more. I, I yeah, I'm mm. feeling I'm thinking of them a bit more separately, which is probably unfair. But I suppose they were released in that way too. But the second film tells the story of the build up to the battle, the planning of the battle um, on both sides, the the disease and the the spying. Um, the procuring of the arrows, and then we have, you know, the reward of the last, probably the last hour, 45 minutes, is, is the main, is the Battle of Red Cliff. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, that was, um, yeah, so I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed that, um, very much. I, I do enjoy, um, a lot, I, I do enjoy, um, uh, stories of like military planning and how, People think outside the box and and work around the enemy and uh, use the environment to their advantage. Um, and a lot of the planning was about that. It, yeah, it was, I I don't know how realistic it was or did it feel simplistic. I'm not sure, but it was certainly at a level where I understood it. Well, one of the things I particularly liked um, is that possibly just because of the scale of the thing, there is no single this thing will win us the battle. Yeah. It's, we had to do this, and we had to do that, and the other guy had to turn up at the right time, and this other thing had to happen. And we, yes. we had to be brilliant on all these things in order to overcome this this much larger force. Yes, and even then we have to be lucky, and then we'll still get some surprises. Um, yes. So, well, I like the... Um, uh, when Zhao Zhao really shows what a wrong in the years when he refuses to cremate his... Um, Typhoid-ridden soldiers, um, and instead floats mm-hmm. them over to the uh, the, uh, the the goodies. Um, who then immediately strip all the soldiers of all their equipment and catch. Because them. that's what you do. It's one of the few perks of the job. Exactly. Yeah, I, I liked. Uh, a part of me was thinking, "Don't be so dumb," but actually, it does make it makes perfect sense when they're just uh, stripping them. Of course, our our wise uh, our our scholar recognizes immediately by stabbing them in the neck. Um, 
I'm not sure quite what he was looking for there, other than congealed blood, but he certainly picked up that they had typhoid. No, he just I, likes stabbing people in the neck. <laughs> he was just, <laughs> just part of his hobby. Uh, but that was uh, nice. Uh, uh, the, the epidemic, I suppose, I suspect historically, you know, if there was a typhoid outbreak, that probably had more part in swaying the battle than anything else, and, and so mm. it was slightly played down. But it was... Uh, yeah, I like that, but I really liked um, uh, the story in the enemy encampment um, and the the relationship between uh, Piggy <laughs> and um, oh, what was he called? Pit. The Piggy and Pit. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was so sweet. Um, yeah, so a, a, the... a lot of that is cut from the uh, short version as well. Um, oh, there, really? There, there, there's still the tragic ending, but most of the build up is gone. Um, oh, there, there is actually an in-joke here, uh, because uh, Zhao Wei, Vicky Zhao, uh, yes. playing some Zhang Ziang, um, one of her breakout roles a few years earlier was Shaolin Soccer. Oh, really? Okay, yes. So, and, so, and I, so I think inv- probably most of the audience of, uh, originally watching would have known her from that. So when she's watching a football game and, and uh, getting involved in it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet there are a lot of nods and in jokes that otherwise uh, go above our heads to some extent. Well, that's oh, that's cool. That's a nice. Did they really invent um, soccer? The Chinese? Uh, there, there was a ball a ball game of that sort. Yeah. Okay. I mean, whether they were the first, who knows? But uh, yeah. The, the basic well... idea of there are a whole bunch of us and we're trying to get the ball somewhere on the other side of the field is, is one that shows up in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah, fair point. But, um, okay, well, one thing that irked me about part two... Okay. They, they have that really neat ripping cloth dissolve effect. To say, you know, we, we're changing from one scene to another. Yeah. And they use it again and again. Yeah. And then they use it when there is an actual piece of cloth in the background. <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. I agree. Um, I liked it, and then they use it too much. It's a bit like the um, uh, the freeze frame in Goodfellas. Just, uh, just a few too many times. Mm. Um, just, just um, a bit too much. I agree. But yeah, there there are some lovely bits. I mean, all right, Greek fire does not even legendary Greek fire does not explode like gunpowder. But <laughs> okay, yes. Um, there is that moment when we are, we are the, the outer fortifications have fallen, the, the forces have joined their main battle. There is just a cloud of dust, and Sasa is looking down from his command post, in effect. Yes. And then they clear, and there is the Testudo, uh, the, oh, the, yeah, the, the yeah. shield formation. And okay, this battle is not over, and I have not won it. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's yeah, just that... a, a gorgeous moment. Uh, yeah, the whole Testudo sequence I thought was fantastic with them popping out and grabbing things and uh, the the feeling of claustrophobia inside the inside the formations and ah uh, yeah it was um yes that was really good um I, I thought the uh, so a lot of the build up is sort of about the naval uh, hmm. stuff and how they out how they get the arrows um which was interesting. I think it's. Uh, I think that's one of the things that's probably been added to the story later. I think I read somewhere how the arrows were actually procured. But uh, it was a nice. Uh, it was a nice moment, and the uh, how they outwitted the generals and got them, uh, the the uh, naval generals and got them beheaded. Um, a bit on the nose and a bit obvious, but sometimes these the obvious plans often 
well not the obvious the simple plans often work don't they it wasn't that simple but it was um uh uh, not the most complex uh, way of fooling people. Hmm. Uh, but a lot of the build-up was about the naval battle. And so I was quite pleased that they didn't spend a huge amount of time on that because basically their plan worked, so we didn't need to see it all played through. It was when we got through to the rest of it. Um, uh, that yeah, it, that there, it there is a bit that I felt wasn't entirely clear, and, and I think this is... Um... A bit more obvious in in the original romance, um, right? About locking the boats together. Yes. the 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 point of that in in the original story, at least in the summaries I've read, is that because they are locked together, the fire can spread across them faster. And we we get that a bit in in the battle scene, but yeah, the, they're trying to unlock it quickly. But uh, and the whole point and, of being and that was actually together... a, a trick from the other side, sent, sending somebody to 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 hint that they should do that. So why did they do it in the first? Was it because they were seasick, or was it? I, I think someone. Yeah, it was basically it. soldiers who weren't used to fighting on a on a moving deck. Okay, so they made it a, a solid platform, effectively. Yeah, and that is that is a thing that that they did historically. As far um, as we know, well, it, it's it's in the romance, which is what this yeah, is a film okay. of. I'm, jo- yeah, John Woo had been wanting to to do a film of the romance since sometime in the nineties. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But so the, their plan works. The the wind changes as uh, as prophesied, or well, as predicted, I should say. Um, and then we get yeah, we get this amazing. Th- then from then on, well, I guess almost from the moment this is where it did work for me. Is we have the the scholars pay off when the wind changes, as you say, and and he's not really in it anymore after that. And then it's kind of pay off after pay off after pay off, and we have the capital H hero characters all get their moment at that point. Mm. I so even um we have the the tea moment where <laughs> where Xiao is fooled into delaying his attack because of Well, the, I I think this is where we actually get some subtlety of characterization. Yes. Um because I mean we we've as I say, in, in the romance, Cao Cao is the big villain. Yes. Um, we do get some ambiguity. I mean, when, when he is first saying to the emperor, look, you know, yes, he, he, he is doing this for his own gain, but he is genuinely saying, yes, these provinces are rebelling. They are, they are not obeying the imperial order. Yeah, um, that wasn't dwelled on too much. Yeah, but yes. Okay. And, and a bit, a bit later, um, in, in the sick tent when he's talking about the sun that he hasn't seen for several years. Yes. I mean, yes. yes, on the one hand, he's obviously doing this to motivate his troops. On the other hand, we have no reason to suppose that's not true, that it's not no, genuine No, I fear. agree. Yes, yes. And I think that the tea ceremony is, is the acme of that, because if, for him, yeah, we, we've had the whole, um, what a Russian would call kulturny, the I, right. I appreciate art and culture and poetry and all that good stuff, even though I'm a bloody-handed warrior. <laughs> yes, which makes yeah. me better than those barbarians, and we, yeah, we get we get this on both sides. You know, he he's got that painting uh, of Xiao Cao. Yes, uh, and that is the trap for him because, uh, and I am speculating here. I don't know the culture, and if if somebody does, please correct me. Um, but it seems to me that a somebody who was confident in his position would say, well, yes, I know about the tea ceremony. Maybe I'm not an expert at it like you, but I basically know how it works. And yes. you, okay, so you, you, you can do it very well, but that, that, that's a distraction for later. For him, it's, it's, it's a social climbing thing. He, he's able, it, 
even though he's the second most powerful man in the empire, he, he is able to become more cultured by observing this, and that is the thing that fatally tempts him. Yes, yeah, that is a yeah. I think that is fair. You can see he's a bit out of his depth, but uh, trying to trying to learn and trying to climb. Yeah, that is a, a and so, and I think that is that is a good point because it, it explains why it's so important to him. You know, mm. it's not just like oh, I fancy this one. It's 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 he's learning the culture and trying to become and climb. Yeah, it's it's hugely important to him enough to actually take his mind off the battle, and I think that is a good point. I mean, yes, he, he, he was yeah, he he was uh, not not born as a peasant or anything like that. He he was actually brought up in in that society. So, but she totally um owns him in the tea sticks, yeah. <laughs> as as the kids would say, and that. Uh, it's one of the reasons he loses the, loses the battle. He's delayed. Uh, he allows the wind to turn against him, um, and so we have her hero moment. Then we have a succession of all the characters we've come to know over the last few hours, <laughs> basically having their "I'm going to lift this barricade up and smash people to death with it" <laughs> um, <laughs> moment, um, which I think is really well. I, I, I mean, it may be fan service, but I or I, pure kind of narrative. Um, uh, a form, but it just it works really well. It's a well payoff, but it's earned. That's that's the thing for me. We yes, we, we have seen absolutely. these people struggling and suffering and so on, and yes. now, and now they get to win. And that that to me is, it, I I think I see a lot of things in Western film and TV making which assume that you already like this character, you already care about this character, so we're just going to show you the stuff where they're awesome. Yes, and yes. if I if I have not already found myself liking the character, then that can fall very flat for me. Yes. Uh, but here we have characters that we've uh, mostly uh, mostly like. Uh, and mostly... I did, and again, this is probably a cultural thing, the, the, the moment where they both are genuinely going to behead each other if they fail in their missions, even though that would probably doom their entire... Uh, Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, that felt a bit much to me. Come on, let him off. Four hundred <laughs> arrows. Um, <laughs> but that that may be a cultural thing, or maybe part of the virtue that we're trying to celebrate here. That they they are men of honour, and they will. They you know they're not like. Um, I, I have the, made this commitment. Yes, um, and we're not going to back down on it. And uh, so I like that, but it did slightly um, take me out of it a bit. I, <laughs> I'd, I'd be a bit more pragmatic about it. Um, or you could imagine one of um, the Prime Minister's uh, soldiers just surreptitiously slapping a few arrows to, uh, to even the score. Um, or or the, the bit with the dumplings, you know. Um, your, your, your wife has gone over to the enemy... Um, and you, you, you assume there is a plan involved here, but basically she's still in, in the enemy's hands. Yes. And ev- everybody gives you their dumplings as, as, as uh, <laughs> sympathy. How are you going to eat all those, man? Uh, yeah. can, can, can we stop at, you know, regimental captains or something? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Can we not? <laughs> yes. I was wondering quite how laden it was going to get, but you do see him um, munching them all down. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was a nice room. Um, yeah, and then the, the final sequence... Um, it gets a bit much more intimate with the the you know after all the battles and the the valiant deaths and the explosions we have the the final sort of scene in the uh uh the the ceremonial house where he's trying to find his wife and it's much more tight and intimate uh, and then we have a, a final confrontation with um 
with the Prime Minister, who, uh, in an act of ultimate humiliation, gets his, his top knot severed. Um, <laughs> his hair comes down. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's symbolic. Uh, I may have missed a cultural reference there, but he seems very shaming to him. Yeah, I suppose he does scream because it hits his head as well, I guess. <laughs> that's part of the problem. Um, yeah, uh, and then after that confrontation, where they let him go, that seems like, I mean, I'm I'm very forgiving chap. That seems like a foolish thing to do to me. Mm, I, I think the idea is that he is so humiliated that he is no longer a force. But... Well, yeah, look at Boris Johnson is what I would say about that. Um, uh, yeah, um, not that I'm suggesting we should behead Boris Johnson at all. Um, I know, he, after this, uh, he, he fought for another 10 years. Um, and di- died at the age of 65. See? So... 10 years of fighting they wouldn't have had. Yeah. And then it sort of undermines that whole message of we're the heroes and we're victory, victorious because we're um, basically, well, we're going to end up fighting each other pretty soon, aren't we? It's, it's the, kind of the ending, slightly depressing message from Redcliffe. Is that like, yeah, though, we won this one. Though, again, if, if you know the romance, you know that that is going to happen. Well, that I wonder or, or if you if... know the history, so... Well, that's I, I didn't actually look into the aftermath, but presumably they do end up. So that was possibly a nod to the fact we can't all be that friendly because we, everyone knows we're going to be fighting in two years or five years or whatever it is. And uh, if, if you want to be historical, um, Lady Sun did in fact marry Liu Bei. Oh, okay. Uh, and by by all accounts, behaved very badly. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. Well, so um, I, I would what... like to talk about the the history of John Woo as a director because yes, I, okay. I think this really falls into phases for me. And yes, there's, there's the phase zero, which almost nobody, including me, knows about, where he was basically directing under other people's orders. You know, things like the okay. Young Dragons. Um, okay. So eighty-seven to ninety-two. Well, eighty-seven, he makes a better tomorrow, right. which is uh, he he is basically inventing gun fu. Yes, I know that's what I know John Woo as the inventor of um, balletic gunplay. Um, we now the sort of apotheosis of which is in um, the uh, the Keanu Reeves ones, I think. Uh, John, yeah. something rather. So, which I've um, never seen. Gen- generally, he's working with Chow Yun Fat, you know, uh, but there's also a Bullet in the Head, The Killer, uh, the last of those is hard boiled. Yes, uh, which incidentally major inspiration for the Feng Shui role playing game. Ah, okay. I have not seen it. Like, I, lots of people. Like, what? What do you feel of these early John Woo films? I think they are great. Okay. Um, unrealistic, but very emotionally solid. And the, okay. the emotional part is what matters, not the I, I can um, fire accurately with two guns in different directions. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to see. I mean, I I suppose I first encountered that kind of stuff in the Matrix, um, which I think is John. John it's certainly influenced by, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and then he went to the states, and I don't know why he went to the states. Um, I mean, he he'd been living in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong was going to be handed back to the Chinese, so that may have been, well well been a part of it. Right. Yes. But then he made. Uh, I'm just going to reel these off. Hard Target, Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, oh, broken, I have seen that. Broken Arrow, John Travolta and Christian Slater. Oh, I've seen that. Uh, Face Off with Travolta again. Oh, yeah. And, and Nick Cage. Uh, Mission Impossible 2. 
wind talkers and paycheck and i think it is fair to say that none of these is a terrible film because he is still yeah, john yeah. woo but none of them is the film i felt if they're nothing like the, the hong kong days no that's interesting i've seen uh, uh three of those i think um and they feel like fairly standard a uh, very competent action movie fair, but not very much more than that. Mm. And it, it's not clear quite quite why this happened. I mean, there, there was certainly a lot of studio interference, more than he was used to working in Hong Kong. Right. Um, but it, it's... Don't know. But anyway, so the last of those is in 2003, and then, this is, then he goes back to China, and this is the film he makes. And, and wow, it's a film yeah, John, John Woo is back. Okay. Now, as as has he I'm done concerned. much? Has he done much since then? Not really. Um, he did uh, the crossing in 2014-2015. It's another two-parter. Um, okay. Basically, uh, the steamer Taiping, which sank in '49 on the way from China to Taiwan. It, it's if you wanted to sum it up in two words, it would be Chinese Titanic. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it wasn't a great success, um, and I, ha- I have not seen it. And he, he's apparently been working. He, he's apparently got something uh, vaguely would like to make about the Flying Tigers, the American volunteer group uh, in World War Two. Okay, but, yeah. I mean, maybe who knows? And he he may do some um, more stuff in Hollywood, but he doesn't seem to have done a lot lately, which is a shame. Well, this yeah, this is very hard for me to think. This is the same director as. Um, uh, Broken Arrow and Face Off, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, uh, it's interesting because he's often yeah he's kind of the to me he's the godfather of balletic gunplay I suppose. Um, uh, there isn't there isn't a ton of that here, but he is very good at. I mean, we haven't really talked about like the, the battle scenes really are epic, but mm. not confusing. It does that thing as I touched on like with the Helm's Deep in it. Um, it does a re- in fact it does it better than the Helm's Deep sequence, which is a bit confusing in a lot of places. It's not really confusing here. You you understand what's going on for the most part. You understand yeah. the the overall scene and you know the stakes in each section of it. Um, I think it's really well explained. And yeah, I I, I so that final battle for me it was was great. It just it's really good action and really. Uh, involves the characters you care about. It's not just anonymous people hitting the shit out of each other. Um, and for, yeah. for me, that's that's why part one has to be as long as it is because it is building up all that emotional capital so that we do actually care about these people. Yeah, e- even I, on a superficial I, I level, we know who each of them is. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, well, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. It just it, it works on many levels. That final battle, they've been waiting for it for ages. We've been waiting for it for ages. We've not been kind of bored waiting, but it is it always been in the background. This is coming, and then when it comes, it doesn't disappoint. It kind of dispenses with the the naval bit relatively quickly because you know how that's going to go, and then gets to the bits where there's more surprises. Um, and just seeing how they all work together, it's mm. very uh, and, and it, every, every stage of it has to work. It's, yeah, as far as military plans go, it's a terrible one because everything has to work in order for it to <laughs> succeed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there isn't a lot of um, uh, give in the system, but it's uh, yeah, very good. So. Yes, I really enjoyed the second half. Bit. The the first half, less so. Um, hmm. Not just uh, from because of my rant. I, I just found it a bit. Uh, well, no, I think mainly because of that. I was enjoying it up until that. So I, I think. 
Maybe yeah, I, I'm I'm not very experienced in uh, Hong Kong and Chinese filmmaking. Mm. Um, the impression I get is that they like looser genre boundaries generally than, than the Western stuff. Yes, so it, it, so so you might well get the hero being heroic, and then you will get uh, the comedians doing the comic stuff, and then you will get the great romance, and then you'll get a bit more heroic battle stuff. And I think that's the, certainly true is, of Bollywood as well. Um, yeah, I, I suspect that's largely because genre is a marketing thing more than more than anything else. But we all like to pigeonhole ourselves a bit. So yeah, for me, definitely a masterpiece. Um, I've I've seen some of the some of the older Hollywood historical epics, but th- this one really works for me. Yes, as a historical epic, it really lives up to the name. It tells. It's also telling me something about a culture uh, and a period of time that I know nothing about. I appreciate it's not historically accurate, but it's there's enough things there to hang a framework on so I did really enjoy it um, I, I wish there were no horses getting tripped up in it basically yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I think uh, uh, and that does pull me down a lot I, but I think if I ignored that yes it's 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 a masterpiece it's uh, it, it's epic with a, with a capital E really in a way that we don't make films like that here. I, it's funny. Oh, p- partly I, because extras are not cheap, to be fair. Well, Lord of the Rings is the only thing I can think of that's sort of similar. Um, uh, but that's oh, a very a, a, a thing I heard recently, which you, you may well be aware of. Most of the riders of Rohan in, in the later films are, in fact, women in false moustaches and beards. <laughs> is that true? Because they advertised for um, basically horse owners as extras who were you know, had who were prepared to do this particular bit of extra training and so on, and mo- most of the horse owners in New Zealand are female. <laughs> okay, so, so they, they had to put a lot of um, uh, uh, fake beards on. That's a, actually, In The Hobbit, there were quite a lot of farm animals killed um, at one point. So, um, Speaking of animal cruelty, so I, mm. but The Hobbit is a very different kettle of fish. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I haven't really seen anything like it, um, and for that, I think it probably is a masterpiece. But... Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of the Chinese films, but the ones I have seen, I, I generally wait for a recommendation because there are obviously huge amounts of them that, that are yes, never, never yes. intended to go outside China or to somebody like me who doesn't know the culture. But when I have watched them, I've enjoyed them. So, Yeah, it's very good. So, uh, yes, very, uh, very enjoyable. Thank you. Well, there we are. That will bring us to the end of whatever year we're in now. Is it 2008? 2008-ish. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so we will uh, talk about some other films soon. One day we will face each other on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll win that. <laughs>